You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Sophie's Choice. And if you remember back to 1982, Meryl Streep won her first Academy Award on this movie. It's interesting, if you haven't seen the movie, don't remember what it's about. A Sophie's Choice, that phrase, refers to an extremely difficult decision a person has to make. It describes a situation where no outcome is preferable over the other. This can be either because both outcomes are equally desirable or both are equally undesirable. And in the movie, in the story, Sophie ends up at Auschwitz with her two kids. And she has to make a decision. Either they're going to kill both of her children or she has to choose to let one live and one die. And she makes a decision that her son will live, her daughter will die. Then the unfolding tragedy beyond that, dealing with that decision where she had to pick. And you think, well, that's just, that's nuts. No one should have to pick in a situation like that. So every year I do a message that a lot of people don't like. And they're praying that either I will go away or that I will stop talking about this. So for about 50 years in this country, almost 50 years, Roe v. Wade was the law of the land. And then all of a sudden, this court case gets overturned in Dobbs versus Jackson, and now it goes back to the states. And you say, well, dude, you should be happy. Just let it go, let it go. That was the goal, wasn't it? And I say to you, It didn't end it, it's just that an unborn child sometimes has to travel farther to die, which are we okay with that? So, as I get into this, I understand there are people that tune me out, there are people that turn it off, that say, I don't wanna hear about this in church because it has nothing to do with church, it has everything to do with church. So, you can cancel me, you can block me, you can do whatever you wanna do, as long as I'm breathing, I'm gonna go at things that affect our lives because this affects our lives and affects the lives of the unborn, and it may not be popular, and I've lost thousands and thousands of people out of this church over stuff like this, gay marriage, you pick it, nobody wants to hear these things out loud. But part of why I go over this is concern over the unborn, obviously, but also for us as believers, because you're in a world that is totally divided on this issue. And there are, you say, well, but Christians are pro-life and non-Christians are pro-choice. That's not necessarily true. There are a lot of Christians who've lost their minds too. You say, well, what do you mean? I'm a Christian and I'm pro-choice. And I would gently say, you're out of bounds. You say, well, you have no right to tell me what I should believe. You're right, but I can tell you what the scripture says, and then you're going to have to make some decisions. So there's that issue. Then there's also the issue that let's say you scripturally say, yes, this is a human being and you live in a world where people disagree with you. When did we lose the courage and the ability not to shake a fist, not to point a finger, but just to speak the truth and love to someone and say, I don't agree. Can a hockey player decide not to wear pride stuff on the pride night? If we lose that, it's over. 
I am not required to believe what the culture believes. I thought that was kind of what some of being a Christian was about, right? You say, well, but if I go against the grain and upstream and all these things, man, I could lose my job. I could lose friends. I won't have as many followers on Facebook. And he's like, what are you talking about? I hear this a lot, and it's going to take a second, but I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, what about the science? What about the science? So I'm going to read you a little science. This is how God designed this thing. This is at a a site I found this. It's a bunch of places. And this is mccl.org, a site that talked about this. And it says, before we can know how to treat unborn children, an ethical question, we must know what they are biologically. This is a question of science. Here's what science tells us about the unborn. Why the unborn is a human being. When a sperm successfully fertilizes an oocyte, an egg, a new cell called a zygote is generated by their union. The zygote represents the first stage in the life of a human being. This individual, if all goes well, develops through the embryonic first eight weeks and fetal eight weeks until birth periods and then through infancy, childhood, and adolescence before reaching adulthood. Four characteristics of the unborn human, the zygote, embryo, or fetus, are important. Number one, distinct. The unborn has a DNA and body distinct from her mother and father. She develops her own arms, legs, brains, nervous system, heart, and so forth. Number two, living. The unborn meets the biological criteria for life. She grows by reproducing cells. She turns nutrients into energy through metabolism, and she can respond to stimuli. Human, number three, human. The unborn has a human genetic signature. She is also the offspring of human parents, and humans can only beget other humans. Four, it's an organism. The unborn is an organism rather than a mere organ or tissue, an individual whose parts work together for the good of the whole. Guided by a complete genetic code, 46 chromosomes, she needs only the proper environment and nutrition to develop herself through the different stages of life as a member of the species. And then it goes on to say, these facts about the unborn are established by the science of embryology and developmental biology. They are confirmed by embryology texts, scientific journals, and other relevant authorities. Quote, human development begins at fertilization when a sperm fuses with an oocyte to form a single cell, a zygote, explains the textbook, The Developing Human. Clinically oriented embryology, this highly specialized totipotent cell marks the beginning of each of us as a unique individual, and then unquote. The development of a human being begins with fertilization, notes Langwin's medical embryology, a process by which the spermatozoon from the male and the oocyte from the female unite to give rise to a new organism, the zygote. The scientific evidence then shows that the unborn is a living individual of the species Homo sapiens, the same kind of being as us, only at an earlier stage of development. Each of us was once a zygote, embryo, and fetus, just as we were once infants, toddlers, and adolescents. So, science says a fetus, an unborn child, is a person. That's science. That's biology. You say, well, I don't agree with that. It doesn't matter. Because you want to say something isn't true, does it make it not true? Now, what is our dilemma? I am yet to meet a woman who is worried about having an abortion who hasn't done something to get pregnant. Now, you start backing into this, 
And I understand we live in a fallen world. So in a fallen world, all hell breaks loose and people do whatever they want to do. I'll read you some verses. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. So if you're lonely and morality has gone completely out the window, you just open your Tinder app or Bumble or whatever else you're hooking up on. And there's new ones by the time you hear this someday down the road, there'll be new ones. And you can randomly go meet up with someone and have sex. But this is what makes these sites so beautiful. If you have sex and you get pregnant, there's no consequence. You may have to travel out of state now, but there's no problem because you're not having a person, you're just having a problem. And we can deal with a problem, we just gotta go somewhere to deal with it. So I have probably more respect for this woman, this person, male or female. If you were to say to me, I know that this thing inside of me is not a thing, it's a person. I know it's a person. I do not want this person in the world and in my life. Therefore, I'm going to get an abortion and end this child's life because it's an inconvenience, a problem, whatever it is. I have more respect for that because at least you're speaking some truth finally than to say, well, I don't believe it's a person, la, 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 it's just going to have to go away. That's another situation, but let's have another Sophie's choice. And this is where the humanity of this comes in. You're a 16 year old girl and some guy drinking, not drinking, passion. You have sex with someone and everyone's telling you now it's okay. In fact, you can be whatever you wanna be. You could be a girl one day and a guy the next. I'm trying to figure out how all these girls that decide they're guys get pregnant. I'm not sure how that works. I'm not smart enough for that, I guess. But let's say you get pregnant. You got a situation. You say, well, I can't ruin my whole life over having a child. It was in a moment of passion. So the world will tell you there's an answer for that. And I've shared this before. This is not hearsay for me. I have been on the phone. I can remember a day I can see the whole bathroom. I, I went in a bathroom, closed the door, and I had a teenage girl on the phone. She found out she was pregnant and her mom was saying, let's go in real time in the moment, let's go. Her mom was pushing her, pressuring her to go have an abortion that day. And I am pleading with her on the other end of the phone saying, look, don't do it. Let's sit down and talk about it. Have the baby. There are people who will adopt your child. That's not the answer. Don't take a child's life because you're scared. Now, does it happen all the time? Apparently, yes. Does it happen because we have laws that make it easier? Yes. But you don't have to get an abortion. And if you have had an abortion, it doesn't mean you've committed the unpardonable sin. 60 million something kids have been aborted and counting. And so somebody somewhere is walking around that's been through this. And the devil beats your brains in and says, oh, there's no hope for you. Because if you decide that what I've read here is true, you say, okay, well, my dilemma is if I agree that it's a person, I killed a person. How am I going to live in myself? I can't go there. I have to decide it's not a person just to negotiate my own brain. Here's what I encourage you, and I'm going to say this at the beginning, maybe at the end again. If you've had an abortion and you realize you took a child's life, confess it. Say, God, I'm a sinner. Paul had taken some lives. He turned out to be one of the apostles. So he apparently got some forgiveness. You say, well, is there mercy for that kind of thing? There better be, or we're all in trouble. Because the Bible also says that if you look at someone and think about killing them, you've already killed them. So a lot of murderers walking around. But there's an answer for that. And if no one's told you that, then you need to know that, that you can be forgiven. So let's start over in Judges 17. And I'm going to read a ton of scripture, and we'll try to move quickly through this just to give you some help. 
Judges chapter 17, verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And this has repeated itself throughout history. No leadership. You say, well, we have leadership. We have terrible leadership. And you say, well, what are you talking about? Democrats, Republican? I'm talking about everybody. We have terrible leadership. Where are the leaders? All it takes is a few people to take a stand and say, no, we're not doing this anymore. And you'd be amazed how many people start to take a stand. Judges 21, 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The same thing again. So this goes on throughout history. And that is what's happening. People just do whatever's right in their own eyes. Well, I think this is okay. I'm going to do it. But it may not be what God intended. Go to 1 Kings chapter 3. And by the way, just if you haven't figured this out by now, Sophie's choice, the word Sophie or Sophia means wisdom. So we're going to talk today about what is wisdom's choice, not what is your choice, what would you do? We got to find out what God would tell us to do. What is wisdom's choice? So 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon has been anointed, crowned king. He's asked God for wisdom. God gave him wisdom. And here we go. Verse 16 of 1 Kings chapter 3. Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together, no one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him, rolled over on the baby, suffocated, died. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, the one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Now, how do you resolve that problem? This is how you resolve the problem. You have to have wisdom, and you don't get wisdom anywhere but from God. No one is born with wisdom. Wisdom only comes from God. So if you want to live a godly, wise life, a holy life that's pleasing to God, you have to have wisdom. You can't get wisdom without the Word of God. You can't get wisdom without the Spirit of God. You can't get wisdom without God. And so you get in situations and you say, well, I don't know what to do. Ask God for wisdom. And we'll read this a little bit in James, but don't ask him like you really don't want to know. If you ask God for wisdom, ask him with the intention of using the wisdom he gives you. So let's say you're a 16-year-old girl or a 35-year-old mom with three kids and you're pregnant again and you can't even tell your husband because you're like, we can't afford another child. You say, God, give me wisdom. I'll tell you what he's going to tell you to do. Have the baby, but we can't afford the baby. Put it up for adoption. We don't want to put it up for adoption. Have the baby, raise the baby. Well, how are we going to provide for the baby? God cares more about you and your baby than you'll ever care about you and your baby. Then the king said, here's the wisdom of this king. Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. We'll just chop the baby in half and give you half and you half. There's our answer. Now, why did he say that? What would happen? And this is what happened. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son, and she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. Don't kill the baby. Give her the baby. Let the baby live. 
But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him, chop him up. So the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered. And they feared the king for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Now you say, wow, that's impressive. Solomon, wisest man who ever lived until you get to first Kings chapter 11. And it says he loved many women, had 700 wives, 300 concubines. All these women were chasing after other gods. So God gave him wisdom, but he didn't use the wisdom that he had to use the wisdom that he had and ends up with all these women. So God can give you wisdom, but if you don't use the wisdom that he's given you, you can screw your whole life up. You have knowledge. You say, well, I know a lot of things about God. I got information about God. I can win a Bible trivia game. I know all about God. But do you have wisdom? Do you know how to apply the scriptures? Do you know what to do in situations where you've got to make a decision? You cannot operate in life without wisdom or you will make terrible mistakes that have terrible consequences. It's not just abortion, it's everything. If you are a fool and you run around with fools, it's part of the proof that you are a fool. Part of the reason we screw our whole lives up is that we are running a lot of times with fools, with people who tell us what we want to hear, or we are completely isolated from God and everybody else. And so when a situation comes up, we panic and we go do something without consulting anyone, godly or otherwise, and just solve a problem without thinking it through. Proverbs 3, verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. So you say, oh, I'm wise, I know what to do. It's wise in your own eyes. Ask God if this is what he wants. A lot of times people don't ask God what he wants because they don't want what he wants. I don't want to ask him because he may not want to give me what I want to do. Proverbs 3, verse 13, go down a few verses. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days are in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happier all who retain her. So you say, well, why could wisdom be that big a deal? Because if you got those things, silver, gold, all those rubies, all that stuff, you didn't have wisdom, you'd destroy your life thinking those things are going to make you happy. Or just using those things, sell them and buying a bunch of junk you don't need. If you just pray, you'd be amazed if you just pray what God can show you. And this is on a very simple level, but I've shared this before. You know, I'll go into a Ross or whatever these stores are where things are on their way to garage sales, you know. I'll go through there, look on the clearance rack, find me some stuff, and I'll pick some stuff up and put it in a cart, push it around a little bit. And if Rebecca's with me, she'll say, well, are you getting this stuff? I'll just kind of pray a minute and say, what do you think, Lord? He goes, nah, I go, no, I'm not getting any of this. He said, well, what are you doing? Why? Well, I like it. I didn't get permission to buy it. What are you talking about, dude? What, is it going to be 40 bucks? What are you talking about? What are you buying that he didn't authorize? Who are you dating that he didn't approve? Where are you going without asking him? Well, I don't want to ask him. I want to do what I want to do. And how's that working out for you? It's not. Proverbs 4, 5. Just straight up here, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, the Bible refers to something as wisdom, but not God's wisdom. Look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. So whatever the world says, oh, we're wise. He says, you know what? In my book, that's foolishness. 
Your highest attempt at wisdom apart from God is foolishness to God. For it is written, he catches the wise, quote unquote, in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Oh, we figured out this situation. We don't need God. We can solve this problem, but not without God, not without doing it his way. Colossians chapter four, verse five. Now, just kind of by the way here, if you haven't figured this out yet, if you hear me preach at all, what am I going to do? I'm going to read you so much scripture, you can't stand it. Why is that so important? Because what I think or what I say, I can give you what I believe, try to explain it, but there's nothing going to beat scripture. Read the scripture, see what the scripture says, get that circulating in your mind, not what the world says, and you'd be amazed how your life will change. It will go against, contrary to the world's thinking, but I'd rather be awake than woke any day. Colossians 4, verse 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. If you're a mean Christian, God help us. Stop being mean. We don't need more mean, angry Christians in the world. Demonstrate some grace, sprinkle some salt in there where it creates some thirst on their part and they go, wait, tell me more about this. Stop being judgmental. People don't end up in hell because they had an abortion. People end up in hell because they reject Jesus. That's how you make hell. So tell them there's hope. I sit with women who have had six, seven abortions. They don't need me pounding on them and condemning them, which I can't do anyway. They need mercy. They need someone to say there's hope, there's help, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. James 1 verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, so you say, I lack wisdom. God says, okay, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But if you keep reading on, it says, but don't ask without faith. Don't go to God and say, look, I'm just telling you up front. I'm just kind of shopping here a little bit. I may or may not be interested in your whole wisdom thing. So hit me with some wisdom. And then if I think that's what I want to do, I'll take it. If not, I'm out. And then what does God say? Don't think that man will get anything. God knows your heart. So when you go to him and ask for wisdom, if that's genuine and sincere, and you are asking for wisdom to apply the wisdom that he gives you to the situation, he'll unload the truck for you. But don't mess with a holy God and think you're going to get anything. And then James 3, 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's the kind of wisdom you want, the wisdom that's from above. Now you say, but man, if I do what you're saying, then man, everyone's going to hate me. You know what? I hate to tell you, but not everybody's going to hate you. I would rather you dislike me and respect me 
than water it all down and just say whatever I got to say for you to be okay. If what I'm saying is not scriptural, then it's not going to help anybody. And people are looking for truth. They're looking for answers. They want hope because a lot of people already know doing what I'm doing is not working. If you're chasing women, there's not enough to catch. You're chasing men, there's not enough. You're chasing money, there's not enough. You're chasing drugs, alcohol, whatever you're chasing, there's not enough. It's an unquenchable fire. It's never enough. But with Jesus, is always enough. He is enough. So what is Sophie's choice? What is wisdom's choice? Wisdom's choice will always be life. Not just for the unborn physically, but for the unborn spiritually. Now, maybe you've never thought it through this way, but if you're not a Christian, you are spiritually unborn. You say, well, what does that mean? That means you just got born the first time. That just gets you on the planet. You want to make heaven? You got to get born a second time. And I can assure you there is something about the second birth. Those are never aborted. So you say, well, how do I get in on this forgiveness? How do I get in on this mercy? I've screwed up. I think what you're saying is true. I'll finally say what happened. I'll do it. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.